Hey guys, you're listening to Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man, the podcast where life issues and the Bible collide. We hope you enjoy today's topic and are encouraged to do some musing yourself. Thanks for listening. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the record button has been pushed. Uh, Madam Preacher Man has exited the room. You know, Townsend yeah. seemed excited a moment. She's like, ooh, are you talking? But see, that's the that's the that's like the long term goal. Ten years from now, when there's an episode with my <laughs> wife communicating with us, <laughs> then, we uh, will know we, then we'll know we did it. We did it. You yes. know what? T- speaking of arriving, as of me clicking record, this date is March twenty third. There are thirty one days in March, yes? Yeah. No, yeah, there are. Yeah. Okay, so that means that wait, so 23 plus 7 is 30 plus 8. Nine. So nine days from now, you've been doing this with me for two years. It doesn't even two seem like years it. Time of, flies when you're having fun. How about fun. that? And, and I'm just going to tell you all here as we get started. First, thank you. Like always, you know that normal stuff. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for sharing this. All blah, blah, blah. Some towns and friends came to visit <laughs> us. I knew you were going to tell I'm this. I'm telling you, I've never felt so famous in my whole life. So we were having our little food ministry. They were coming to kind of see that because I'm super proud to think that uh, these ladies that visited us are going to go home and maybe saw something that they can implement in their community to help. I've just that that was exciting. But we have to shuttle people from a, one church parking lot to another. A church little little down the road from us lets us use their their parking lot, and so we shuttle people back and forth because we need all of our parking spaces for our neighbors. And so these two ladies who are strangers get in, and I'm like, oh, hello, how are you? And they introduce themselves, and I'm not going to say because I don't want to embarrass, I, you know, I, don't, I didn't ask, hey, can I bring you up by name? But anyway, I told them who I was, and one of them said, well, I know you better as Preacher Man. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, oh, then if somebody, if somebody spots me in Walmart and says that, that's, I'm a pass out. Because I was lucky I could drive the van back <laughs> No over autographs here. for you people Ooh, in Walmart. Man, no, He's going to be you. have fainted. I was just like, ooh. But anyway, thank you for coming out there. I, I'm assuming you're going to hear me say this. And so thank you all so much for coming and being our guests. And I hope I hope you saw exactly what you needed to see for your own uh, community and your own ministry at your church. But I, that you just made my day because I've just, like, on the inside, I hope I played it off. But on the inside, I was just, <laughs> like a little boy. I don't know. Well, I'll have y'all know that I have no idea what we're talking about today. That's right. So I'm she sitting here wondering that as he's talking about his giddiness, and, I'm nervous. And I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure that cuz I've been I need to keep it anonymous. It's, it's, this is all going to come from an experience I had very recently. I won't even say when I don't want it. Who knows who listens to what. Uh today I want to talk to you about something that kind of mixes in with What's going on in the world today? Uh, have you noticed that gas is more expensive? Wow, yeah. And now they even say, this blows my mind. They say that cereal may become a luxury for some people because apparently a great deal of grain is grown in Ukraine. And so without having access to that because of what's going on over there, the grain that's used to make cereals will become more expensive. Thus the box or bag, however you buy it, of cereal that was already you know, pricey enough if you've got multiple kids eating out of it, is going to go up a lot. And I'm like, wait, you mean, hey, you want to come over? We're about to have some Lucky Charms. You know, I'm like, what? You're going to (laughs) like, what the heck is going on? And I know people's, you know, it's a lot of focus on money and investing and literally our own country 
uh, I think yesterday, maybe the day before, uh, of course, time really doesn't matter on this, but where the spokesperson for the president said that they expected food shortages to be a problem in developing countries because of all this. And I'm like, you know, you mean to tell me that the lunacy of one man and his decision as a leader of a country can affect the entire world and we largely just say strongly thought out words to him? I mean, it it just seems weird. That's a different topic, but I've been trying to bounce that one off with my father. And I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, you always heard that this country was the land of the free and the home of the brave. And and I think that's like the unofficial motto of, of the United States. But where's our bravery on display? Yeah, no. You know, it's a little bothersome. Yeah. And of course, I, I immediately, because of who I am, I want to turn that to the church and be like, okay, can the same thing be not be said about us? Which, Absolutely. You know, we yes. act a little like cowards. But what I want to share today and get you, if nothing else, I want to make you think um, about an experience I had, because I think we're all very guilty of the same thing on some level. I just got to see it fairly raw and exposed. And what happened, um, I am a pastor, and so I have the occasion to be asked to do wonderful things that that are often in in the moments of greatest difficulty for people. Um, I'm asked to officiate weddings, and those are always kind of fun until the rehearsal night. And then, you you know, some folks be, they act ugly. Bridezilla. Yes. Oh boy. But anyway, I also officiate funerals. And of course, I don't feel the same sorrow that family feels because, you know, it's normally not my family. It has been twice, but it normally isn't. And I, I lean hard on the fact that uh, the Bible says that the death of the righteous of God's children is a beautiful thing to him. And so I need to see it his way. And that's the part of grief that I want to encourage people to work through is learn to see it the way God does. But I've also been asked to preach funerals for people I do not know, like literally never met in my life or maybe in passing once, something like that. And I had that occasion very recently to preach a funeral and uh, no names, no location, no nothing like that, other than to say that what became evident and kind of heavy on my heart was the lack of faith investment in the family. However, there was a evidence, large financial investment in the family. So uh, I guess without flowery words, wealthy people who never had Christ, never, well, never had a church involvement, never had, they don't have a faith family to speak of what, like zip, none, nothing. And that makes me sad too. Well, it makes me sad, and, and, and there were lots of things that, that just made it sort of sadder, I guess, for me, and just not because I'm like looking at someone with shame, but just looking at someone and thinking, how much do you hurt, and you have to be, and you're alone. You know, I, I can't snap my fingers and fix that for you. And this is not in my home. If it was in my town where I live right now, then obviously I would be able to fix it in a different way, but I, I can do nothing. This was many hours away from me. And what I want to ask, and I'm going to ask, you're the only one here to talk back to me, but um, when I said I think this is a problem or a sin of, of how do I, I think we put our focus in the wrong thing, even though we say that we recognize our focus should be in something else. And so what I mean is, how much can you recognize in your life that you spend all of your time, the majority of your time, a lot of your time, 
most of your energy, all of your energy, however you'd like to word it, how much of your life is spent investing in something that won't last when you die? A lot for us all, I'm sure. And the reason that I even wanted to bring this up is because I have tried to maintain contact with um, the spouse. And the person who passed away had a very lucrative position in a very lucrative industry. And so I can respect that that was the focus of life, to build up sort of, you know, and I, I, I know, I understand. I don't want someone to have to worry about those things when I'm gone, though that boils me down to only a, you know, bank account, basically. But the the spouse shared with me that that industry and all the connections that, that had been experienced while the, while the deceased was alive, now that person has been cut off completely. Like that, that thing, that, that, that industry has just been like, well, bye. Bye. Yeah. And so you have a cutoff from the thing that you had invested so much of yourself into. And then you have a bankrupt account in the area of faith. This is, this is a situation where there was no church attendance. There was no encouragement in, in faith things. There's a bunch of questioning about whether or not it even is real or not. It's all that murkiness. There's a little grandchild involved, very small. There's all, all these questions and no answer. Large bank accounts, bankrupt faith accounts. And that gives me pause to wonder how many of us listening, participating, the two of you and me, how willing are we to recognize and be challenged by the fact that if we look at where we sow the majority of our energy or the majority of, and I say all of this with the, I'm not ignorant to the fact that, well, you're a preacher, so that's your job. I understand that mindset. I'm not coming at it from that place, but I understand that people would think Well, that. but I'm not a preacher. Well, no, I'm not a preacher by trade or by calling, but um, so I have another career. Right. Um, and so my boss feels pretty much the same as you're saying. Like, he will just do all this mess and take no pay for it whatsoever. And it just seems to blow my mind completely. And while some of his thoughts and ways are I mean they seem crazy to me right, sure. I mean they just do he knows that I feel this way they seem like nuts mm -hmm. but I think he truly does believe that in all reality if he can make enough to keep everything going around mm -hmm. what his expenses are exactly what his income mm -hmm. be for the for the business right. to continue to help people he's fine that's his right. budget I mean that really is his budget yeah and that is unfathomable to me. Like, I cannot wrap my mind around not worrying about what you have put back because I do. And it's so crazy that you brought this up because, and you didn't, I mean, we didn't record uh, what was, was said down. Well, we didn't record what was said at the barrel race when I did my nope. mm -mm. whatever. And so you have no idea what was said there mm -mm. in depth. But I called out my better half in the crowd and said that one of the things that he focuses on all the time is money mm -hmm. and worries about providing for his family. Now, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he is just centered on the, on the right. money side of things necessarily in every aspect, 
But I know that so much of him is on that, you know, caring for my family, putting back, having that savings account. Right. And so for me, over the last three years, probably two, to be more realistic, it's been an internal struggle for me because I currently drive a vehicle that has 290,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was given to me, given to me Mm -hmm. um, as a gift. And she has a duct tape on her console and her door, you know, and and I love her. I love Dora the Explorer. I mean, she's cool. Uh But it has just been something inside my being that says, while I think you can afford a different vehicle, don't go get one. Right. And it it has been a struggle for me mm-hmm. because anyone who knows my family knows that my better half does not drive a vehicle with <laughs> duct tape on it. No. And so I'm trying to balance that in my mind. So in the realistic world, I realize we don't all just stop buying vehicles. The world sure. stops turning. You don't do that. Right. But there is a greater focus that is to be that is to be had. Right. And my my cowgirl crew, one of the members was the lady you were talking mm-hmm. about. She's a very godly woman. Um, our little Bible study right now is talking about some baggage that we carry that we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And the burden of loneliness was my last most recent one. Mm-hmm. And when you were just talking about what what happened with this family, there's so often a time, and, and this was just said in the study, that God disciplines those that he loves and that he will take away mm-hmm. so much around you to bring you to focus on him. Mm-hmm. And there are so often times like backing it up. I only have me to compare to guys, so I'm not trying to make it the me show. I just want you to know that you're not the Lone Ranger if you're out there struggling with me. I feel myself feeling that way a little bit because I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to keep my focus on God and then you know, society says you have to keep up with the Joneses and then gas is skyrocketing. And so, you know, it's just the burden of of loneliness is a real thing too in that when you're trying to get your focus where it should be and Mm -hmm. where you claim you want it, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not a beautiful path to get there. Yeah, I I guess, you know, it bothers me to see. So death is an ever-present reality. And yet we all think we'll live forever. Yeah. And I know we don't consciously, you know, every adult who has a nominally just average thought process knows that everything dies. I mean, even washing machines die. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, it died. But if I knew but, I was going next week, I wouldn't keep putting the same amount exactly. in my retirement. If you knew you know, like, when it was happening, you yeah. would change your behavior. Exactly. So I even said this to someone recently. I said, death isn't on your calendar, but it is on the calendar, right? You don't, you don't have it penciled in when it's going to happen, but it's on the grand calendar that we don't see. It's written down when you're done. Yes. And in our little community, we're approaching uh, an anniversary that often, you know, as time has passed, it's become less of a of a standstill and and reflect. But many, what? Let's see, how many years ago was it? Now? <coughs> eight, eight eight years ago. Yeah. You know, we were hit by a tornado, and of all that happened, one of the biggest tragedies that affected us, and and us being this church that we're a part of, the most is that we lost three people in that storm. And one of them was eight years old. 
And the reason I bring that up is because at eight years old, and again, (laughs) every time I talk about this, I always think, man, this is so a preacher story. You know how preachers say that, you know, every, yeah, but every, it's so real. I know that's I what mean, it like blows so, my mind. I, I have, mean, I still have trouble wrapping my head around it and we had not been totally just 100% dove in, went on mission trips with this church. We right. were just, I mean, we had not even joined yet yeah. when this happened and I witnessed it. So I, he's telling the truth. I've heard preachers say, you know, what if you get hit by a bus or what if you go to lunch and choke to, you know, some dramatic way of realizing that time is fleeting. But uh, this little boy had talked with me before about faith. He's asking questions. And I will never not tell someone that he was overly intelligent for his, like, it was strange, you know, even talking to him. It's like people say someone has an old soul or whatever. I mean, it's like you're 42 years old in this little eight-year-old's body. And we had had conversations and he wanted to know about about being a Christian. And we had talked about it. And I said, but this is a decision that you make. It's not a decision that I make. And so the way you can tell me that you've made that decision is you can come forward at the end of our church time. That's our tradition. Uh, and that, and we can tell the whole church that you've made that decision. Okay. And he said, okay. And time, some time passed. And on a Sunday, he came forward and told me his parents came forward to join the church and he came with them. And so I knelt down and I said, do you want me to, are you down here just to be with them? And he said, no, I want everyone at church to know that I believe in Jesus. And I'm like, all right, boy, come stand beside me and turn around. I mean, I, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer or whatever. You make a choice to give your life to him. That's all the Bible says you have to do. And so we celebrate that. Everybody is super excited. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm, I'm texting with his parents about, you know, what time is good for you to have whoever you would like to be here to witness his baptism. All three of them are dead the next day. Correct. The tornado that struck our community strikes the next day. And while I'm hiding in my bathroom with my family, um, their family home is being obliterated by wind, like to the point that you can't see it. You can't tell there was a house there. And they actually, you know, they don't, they don't recover this little boy and his parents for like three days. There's so much debris and timber and all this stuff. You, they didn't even realize that they were standing in the area that the house had been. That's how destroyed everything was. And I never not thought about how it's on the calendar and you have no idea. You, you, you are going to, we're going to stop this. We're going to click stop and, and, and I'm going to click all this stuff off and upload this and it's going to, come out Friday. I have every expectation that that's going to happen just like normal, but you or I could drop dead before the sun sets. And and we've heard that a million times, but we don't actually live with death as that present reality. And I know it may seem odd, but the Bible tells me to. Yes. The Bible tells me to realize that I have lost every opportunity in yesterday and I have no guarantee of the opportunities in tomorrow. Only now is what's given to me. And I'm asked to kind of have this moment of personal reflection as I see this family suffering in something that could have been solved. Yes, I presume just by my own observation, by my own experience, by by the Spirit's intuition, I guess some people would say, you family, you have been left monetarily very sound, but your faith tank is dry, and you have questions, and you don't even know where to go for the answer, and that's 
that's the thing that was supposed to get the investment. So while we're paying attention to what's happening in the stock market or the gas pumps, you know, just to put in perspective, by the way, um, my daughter came in the house yesterday and said, it's gone down 10 cents. And now it's only 389 where we live. It's not, yeah, and so not she's just four. celebrating. In Norway, they buy gas by the liter in Europe. But in Norway, I was reading this just the other day. If you do the calculations and convert liters to gallons and, and convert the euro to dollars, in Norway, they pay $12 a gallon. So part of me wants to say, you know, it could be worse. But another part of me wants to say, you know, that part of it doesn't even matter because there are people dying. Yes. And then it hits me that... Spiritually and physically. Yes. And then it hits me that, you know what? That's always happening. And while I never give a thought to what... Well, I mean, we think about gas prices pretty constant in this country. You know, it's a reflection of who's in the White House and how things are going. And I even... I confess this. I even... I, I drive a Toyota Tacoma... And uh, I was pumping gas at $3.87 a gallon, and I kind of stuck my head in the car uh, in the window where my wife was sitting, and I said, you know, it's it just funny to me that like a year and three months ago, I was paying literally 100% less yes. <laughs> than I am paying right now. I mean, yes. it's something we very much focus on because it's a purchase we have to make constantly. But we have the exact opposite amount of focus normally on the truth that this down here doesn't last and and what you know just you're talking about what we're focused on but even things like you know a a a physical guy competing in a girl's sport or a physical girl competing with men or a whatever the case may be you know i never in all of the posts that talked about fuel prices or things happening with ukraine or things happening in a swimming pool Mm -hmm. nothing was ever brought up like i wonder what the condition of their hearts are sure not just the condition of their bodies and it, and it hit me because like my first reaction isn't like oh i'm gonna sit over here on my high horse and mm. pray for their souls that's just not right. truly like where my mind went it's not honestly but then about 10 minutes later i came across a post from one of my friends who her two-year-old son just got a stage four diagnosis of cancer and has spent the last month at St. Jude. Mm. And I thought, just what you're saying now, life is precious and Mm -hmm. we only have today. Right. Like, if I knew for a fact that I was leaving this earth tomorrow, you know, we just got hit with another storm yesterday. Mm -hmm. But I would do so many things different. Right. Right. I mean, you're so right about that. And it's just so sad. Last night we were watching a medical show and one of the guys was having to live, literally live in a tube. And he said to one of the nurses, he said, you know, we all live on the edge. We Mm -hmm. all live on the edge of the end. It's just that some of us know it. Right. Some people get to see this. Yep. And they normally are literal fountains of wisdom. Like, let me tell you what really matters. I love reading the things like where they ask some 98-year-old woman, can you tell us the secret to longevity? Can you tell? give us some... Well, see, we, we want to hear what they say because it's cute and it's folksy and it makes us be like, hmm. But 10 minutes later, we're back to worrying what gas costs and we're back to worrying about, you know, my 401k is taking such a hit, I'll never be able to retire, stuff like that. And I'm, I, I certainly don't mean that that stuff doesn't matter. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to pose this thought as shame on all of us for ever once thinking about being financially secure. I'm well, it can't matter first. Right. My problem is the order in which we put these things because I see a family in which someone invested all literal lifetime into one aspect of living to the point that they neg- negated the only one that mattered. 
Yeah. Right? The cross is the only thing that lasts. Jesus, the Father, all of that stuff, whatever biblical things you think of, those are the things that last eternally. This stuff down here, I'm just going to share with you in Luke chapter 12. I mean, I like being reminded of this. It hurts. I really, I am this guy. Um, Jesus is teaching and somebody in the crowd hollers at him and says, hey, demand my brother to split the inheritance with me. Okay. I, I demand you to do this. This is, if you like looking this up to make sure I'm telling it right, please do, by the way. That's Luke 12, 13. Somebody in the crowd yells out and says, my brother's a bum. That's not in the Bible, but I bet the guy thought that. <laughs> anyway, tell him, <laughs> tell him he has to defi- divide the inheritance with me. And so Jesus' first response is, "What? that's none of my business, which is super telling because there were rules about inheritance and division. There were Pharisee, there were Jewish laws about who got how much. You know, the firstborn gets two-thirds, the second, you know, the, there were laws about it. And yet Jesus' answer is, what business is that is mine? Jesus is the lawmaker. Jesus is God. He is the word. He made the rules. But his response to that guy is, what business is that? Look at how God is showing me. I don't care about money. I do not care about your wealth. I know old folks have said it forever, but we don't want to actually believe it. You can't take it with you. It doesn't delay your your passing, all of that stuff. But, and Jesus says, not even when you have abundance in life, does your life consist of that abundance? And you know, the sad thing is that, I mean, I do it too, but we can't wrap our minds around the fact that whatever God needs from us, mm-hmm. he doesn't need us to bring any of the things we have with us to right. accomplish exactly. it. exactly. Like, you know, feeding with the fish or, you know, whatever he goes to do, parting of waters or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, he doesn't need our physical characteristics to be there. He doesn't need especially our money, but he doesn't need any of it. It None of the materials. It's not like he's like, you know, tomorrow I really need you to go show these couple of horses and make sure these people are knowing Jesus. So, you know, I mean, I'm literally hitting my my honey where it hurts, but drive your big red truck down there and da-da-da-da because you're going to need it for something. No, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you've got to have a reliable truck. That's your business that's where that's what you do for a living you've got to have that but our mindset can't be that right and so i know that as a family we're working toward a different mindset all all together Mm -hmm. and that being said i don't think that when you've been trained up your entire life as society has done and i don't think parents are even conscious anymore really that that that's what we're instilling right but it's hard to just 360 that and say, okay, so, but you have to make the conscious effort now. Well, I, it's painful to realize that the American dream doesn't fit in the Bible. At all. That's hard. It is. Because that's a culture thing. We're told, get what you can get, go after it, the earth. I mean, I, my own father told me, you know what, outside of this house, they want to eat your lunch. They want to take your wallet. They want to do whatever they can to have from you what you will earn. So you go get it and then keep it, protect whatever. You know, be your own boss. Do all that stuff. Don't be your own boss. Let God be the boss. Now, you're not wrong at all. Captain Townsend selling those horses. He needs a truck. He needs to haul. That's right. None of this has to do with, I want you to go look at your vehicle and be ashamed because Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like you said, what order is all of this in and where yes. are you making the most investment? Because if we're honest, I think there are too many examples where we will give all of our energy, 
all of our focus, all of our time on things that bring us more money, stuff and things, then we will give all of our energy, all of our focus, all of our time to the investment of someone's eternity. Can be mine, can be yours, can be my child's, whoever. You know, that I'm so like your boss, he affects generational things by giving people teeth. That is no lie. Because if you don't believe me, smile at somebody with, and I I don't mean this offensively, um, but smile at somebody with what's called a meth mouth. Get a job like that versus clean up your act, but you can't undo what you did to your teeth. Okay. But this guy over here can step in the gap, give you something that you can't afford in your current condition. And now you go smile at that interview and you got the job. Now we can say that it doesn't matter, but I swear to you, it does. Okay. So look at what he's making happen by deciding I don't need all of that. I don't have to have more because if we ask ourselves, how much is enough? The American dream says there's no such thing. There is no such thing as enough. I love the fact that he was honest when John D. Rockefeller was asked. He was interviewed once many, many, long, long time ago. This is ancient American history, I suppose. And I know you've heard me say this before, whether you remember it or not. He was asked in an interview how much money is enough money, and his answer was $1 more. In other words, there's never enough. I, don't, yes. I cannot make enough. And, and when Jesus is asked that about, hey, tell him to divide my inheritance, it always has struck me that Jesus' first thing is, uh, I, uh, how am I judge over this? this is, I don't care, you know. But he put an innate desire in us to want more. It's the what are you wanting more of? It's the target of. of the want. Yes. yes. I mean, you're made by God to want more. And when I realized this, when I realized this, it was like my balloon got popped and then kind of back reinflated all in one mm-hmm. breath. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Like, I feel like I'd been punched in the stomach, but then I'm like, Okay, you know, it was a realization that was, you know, I think you've been chasing the wrong thing. Like, I think you've been chasing your tail for a while. Now, let me straighten you out, you know. I want you to run. I just want you to run in this direction. Yes. And so that's the whole thing is I think everyone fails to realize when people like you and I are sitting around talking about this. We don't mean that we've got it figured out either, but we Mm. have recognized, hey, that's not where the focus should be. Right. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I watched G.I. Joe cartoons, and they always had this little in-between. First off, I, the storyline of G.I. Joe cartoons, you know, if you go back and watch, what is happening? I don't <laughs> All I wanted to do was see them jump out of a helicopter and shoot guns that looked like lasers, but they were supposed to be bullets, whatever. In between, there would always, in between episodes, there would always be these little 30-second snippets where some kid was doing something wrong. The G.I. Joe show up to teach them how to do it right, and then the kid would say, huh, now I know... And the G.I. Joe person would say, and knowing is half the battle. Yes. So you got to know where to run before you run. You got to know. God is saying, I gave you this ability. I gave you this desire. I need you to point it at this. Yes. And if you crave to glorify God, right. there's never a time that you'll ever not want more of that. Like if that's what you're after, mm-hmm. then when you are asked the same question, like how much will it take for you to reach a point where you feel like you've gotten where you need to be with God? You're like not $1 more, but whatever, you know, mm-hmm. what is the mm-hmm. next thing? It's like a, a challenge in and of itself. And that's why I even use this as like a motivational slash challenge to anyone who hears it is it really is like the same way that barrel racing used to drive me to figure it out and mm-hmm. make that horse do this. It's almost the same concept in like, 
when I go down through here, even my kid was like, you skipped two cars right. the other day. And so we had to go back and chat and visit. And I'm like, how many of these people can we chat with and enjoy today? And she is such a good ruler for you, like a measurement of for you, because you can see, and I'm not trying to pat your back, but you can see that you're doing it correctly because even sometimes we look at children and we're like, well, they're too little to get it. But look at her. She knows. She does. And, she, and she's called, whoop, whoop, we skipped one or whoop, you know, time's out. We, we, we didn't say, we didn't say we love you to that, you know, whatever it is. And, and that's why I stress that it's, it's a God given desire Yes, because she's a little, she's a little, we taught. Mm-hmm. Okay. She already has the desire. Let's talk to every single one of them. So she's pointing out, Hey, we, we skipped one. Right. And then the other thing is that, you know, we can't. So in the the Bible study that I just talked about, he asks children questions in each episode. Oh, yeah. And children start talking about what they think or whatever and the innocence of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the 23rd Psalm is repeated like 572 times during all of these episodes. Mm -hmm. But each time it's just you hear a child say it and Uh some of the things that they're thinking or it just breaks it down so much so that that innocence is a beautiful thing. Right. Well, if we watch a child and how they run after the things that God has naturally instilled in them, the world brings the ugly and we let the ugly in. But like you just have to. And it is like it isn't like we can set our sails and kick back and relax and our focus will stay there. Which is the parable that Jesus uses. So you just gave the Townsend 2022 version of what Jesus gave in the first century. Because after he tells that guy, even if you have everything life has to offer down here, your life doesn't, that's not your life. He gives him a parable and he talks about a rich man who has barns filled with crop, grain, whatever you want. I mean, I can just read it if you want. Uh, the land of a rich man was very productive, verse 16. And he began reasoning. He starts thinking to himself, what am I going to do since I have no place to store my crops? I got so much I can't contain it all. I I am, in this parable, your boss. I have more than I need, basically. And then he said, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my idea. I will tear down my barns, and I will build bigger ones. And I will store my grains and all my goods in there. And then I can say to myself, buddy, you have lots of stuff laid up for yourself for many years. Take it easy now. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then in verse 20, but God says to him, Now, if I don't read verse 20, here's the rub. If I don't read verse 20, or if I pretend that verse 20 doesn't exist because, you know, you may already know what what it says, we don't think that guy's wrong. Right. We think, heck yeah, bro. Got it figured out. You did it right. Hey, you got too much. You got to store it somewhere. And so it's a good idea. You can afford to to build more barns and and do whatever. Good on you, buddy. We think that. That's, That's the problem I want to drive towards. We don't. We are investing in the wrong things, even if we're not saying it out loud. There are too many times where we're investing far more in the barn than we are in, in heaven. But verse 20 does exist. And so God comes to that man and he says, you fool, which is a huge insult during that time period. This very night, your soul is required of you. And what have you prepared for? Literally, this parable is a reflection for me of this family that I, my heart goes out to because they it's like being it's has it has been lived out with them. You prepared for all that stuff to be in the barn 
but you got to die. And so what have you done to prepare for that? Because the barn stuff doesn't matter. It, it will fade away. There are so many different ways the Bible points out that nothing lasts. You know, Solomon says, what good is it if you save up all the wealth in the earth because a fool will inherit it? And he was like painfully right <laughs> because his son inherited it and just blew it. <laughs> so he w- he knew. How did he know? But he knew. Okay, you can't take it with you. You can't extend your life. You can't buy what it, you can't buy happiness. And that, by the way, that is one none of us believe. That's true. We're all like, we try. Well, they couldn't buy happiness, but I could. You know, and you look at that investment. We're so busy investing in ourselves and our monetary abilities that we have men swing in women's sports. Yes, we have uh, someone who is seeking a very intelligent. I am certain. Very intelligent woman seeking to be nominated to the Supreme Court. And yet when she was asked to define what a woman is, she could not. She said she could not define that. This is the world we created. We did, yes. And so when I, I mentioned earlier about I, I look at, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, obviously I don't work at the Pentagon. I don't wear stars, birds, or fig leaves. Is that what, is that what a major thing, a fig, whatever. I don't wear any of that stuff. I admire greatly the military. I am never not going to be impressed with those people. Uh, Their willingness to serve strangers for the cause of freedom. And I am not wishing that we would go to war. Uh, Many great philosophers have said only the only people who wish for war are those who have never seen it. I do not want people to die, but the land of the free and the home of the brave sure looks like cowards. And that's not just the United States, that's the rest of the world. There are people in Ukraine just being bombed for the purpose of dying. They are not military. How do you bomb a children's hospital, you sick monster? And yet, to be 100% honest, if I have the power to do something about it and don't, what am I? Exactly. And that that is the society we live in. It truly is. And. You know, there's a way, there's a way to be biblical and, and your better half just said in here, you know, Jesus did turn over tables. He did. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and it, as far as you talking about the, the situation with the person who passed away, I know when my grandfather passed away that there was a lot of burden felt by me because I felt like there was so much time right. put into, and, and horses was a major area mm-hmm. that, that. Many of our trips, our focus, our talk, our money, our time, everything, you know, I felt like mine and his relationship was almost built on that. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I had a lot of memories, but you almost feel like time was lost Mm. on something that, you know, when he got ready to say goodbye, he didn't really mention a horse, you know, and so... Like that's that that has been probably one of the hardest things for me. And I think balance is a beautiful thing, too. I don't necessarily think that God put a desire in me to love a horse. You don't have a desire to love a horse. I, I do. No. And so I don't think he gave me that for me right. to never I believe that for, to never, I, ever yeah, I, fool I, I, with I, a horse again. I, but I also. Right. I, I think it's not like one or the other. Right. It's, it's learning, balancing all of it. like you, For the, his glory. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Uh, literally bringing every aspect of your life in to the center of God's exactly. will and doing with it exactly as he would have it's you It's how do. do I glorify you with this horse? Yes. It's not, well, I can either glorify God or be around this horse. It's yes. not... It, how beautiful is it that God is not that exclusionary? You yes, know? and the same for my job, getting up and going to right. work every day and be 
being a mother. You know, I, I do believe that there are times where as a mother, I sacrifice what I know God's calling me to do and placing all of my focus and time into her. Mm-hmm. And that's not biblical either. Mm-hmm. You know, so that can be the same for across of the course, board, absolutely. whatever it is, hunting, horses, kids, job, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So I remember the, you remember the movie Facing the Giants? Yes. Okay. I remember that was like the first, I know there was one before called Flywheel. I didn't watch it. It's about a car salesman, I think, but. Uh, the facing the dust, the, when those brothers got like super mega popularity and, and a lot of focus, I remember the line where the football coach was praying and he said, if we win, we'll glorify you. And if we lose, we'll glorify you. Because at the end of the day, all of this is about glorifying you. That's what I guess I yes. want most to understand is as I invest, the only thing I have to invest in the world, which is me, I can invest me. What am I investing me in? Am I investing me in all of the work and the and the guys? I know this is a super hard. I don't know how many male listeners we have, but this is super difficult for us because we are the paycheck. We are. It's like wired into me to be the provider, and so I have to make sure there was enough provision. I'm so obsessed with the paycheck that I I miss out on the fact that the actual provision is me. I need to be there. I have to be present. I have to be vocal. I have to be involved because an absent father is is the same whether you're sitting in the chair or not at home at all. And if God is at the center of what you're doing, no matter what your career is, the the money will always you will always be taken care right. of. He, whatever it will always be enough. And you know that's one of the things with. My husband works for himself, and his line of work is very questionable. I mean, it's not a steady paycheck at all. Sure. But there's never been a time. We've been together for 18 years where people have just all of a sudden decided, I'm just going to come get all my horses, Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be without, and like you're going to have to move out of your home or something. You're going to eat the hay they would eat. Exactly. (laughs) And so in my mind, I can't fathom, you know, and I, I do feel like I was brought up by a man who very much lived this, that... You know, you do right. You you will hear me say, oh, Papa Townsend, you do right. You do the absolute best you can, and you let the chips fall. You mm-hmm. let the big man handle the rest of it. Right. And so, you know, I was brought up very much that way because he also owned his own business and was not guaranteed mm-hmm. the same amount of money each week. And so my mindset tends to go that way. My better half's mind does not. Right. You know, right. he, he lives in a state of... You know, constantly, which it makes him be a great father, a great husband, mm-hmm. a hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, his his work ethic is huge. But the focus, right. the yeah. focus it, it's the same for all of us. We struggle to keep the focus. And for me, that, I mean, Amazon is just sometimes <laughs> my BFF right. and the focus. Yeah. Some of it, that has nothing to do with Christ. I think about how many people pay someone to very much be informed about where their investments are so they can get the best results. And I just think maybe it's time for all of us to focus on our own investments of ourselves and be sure we're investing it where God has directed us, using the gifts and talents we've been given to run the direction he's told us to run, because the other side of that is to see just a wandering, empty, lost situation because they have a lot of something but very little of what they need. And, and, and we can change that. We just need to be mindful. So 
I encourage you to think about where you're being invested in your life because the world can change on a dime. We're watching that happen right now. And so with the time that we have before we build bigger barns, maybe we approach God about what we're supposed to be doing more of, what we're supposed to be doing less of, and then respond to him as we as we get that direction. Amen. We really do never not. Is that English? <laughs> we are never <laughs> not thankful for each and every one of you. So I want to tell you that we're grateful to have you as a part of our family each week. We thank you for listening. We thank you for re-listening to an old episode last week. Uh, Townsend's little one had some cooties that I told her she could keep to herself. <laughs> uh, there is nothing worse than being sick like that. And so, poor thing. She got, Young people get over it real fast. They though, do. So I, I'm thankful for that. But anyway, so we had us a little rewind, but now here we were live and in living color with you, and we thank you for being here with us. I really do thank all of you who take the time to share this or encourage others to listen to this because I believe in my heart that what happens in these conversations is useful for more than just the two of us. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it almost two years now. There we, we go. Should, I might need to change the theme music. <laughs> I mean, two years later, do you do you freshen it up? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Eh. Keep it. Okay. May as well. Have a good whatever you're about to do. Have a blessed opportunity right in front of you. That's what I always pray. And I want to remind Amen. you that you have the greatest opportunity to show kindness and to sow kindness into the world around you because of the kindness that Jesus has shown you. Be well, be healthy, be safe, but be active until we can be back with you again. Bye-bye, guys. Bye, y'all. Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man is a podcast dedicated to encouraging you as you think and start your own discussions at home about God and the Christian worldview. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and share our podcast with folks you know. If you need to get in touch with Townsend or Preacher Man, you can email either of them at mtpm.podcast at gmail.com.